We are going to have absolutely nothing to talk about today. Yeah, should we just call it a show? I think so. I think people could probably infer everything we we're going to talk about, and we, yeah, I know we've already discussed all this. So we'll we'll just um, we'll put a link to the uh, WWC keynote stream and this week's episode of Upgrade. Something something better call Saul. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Picks of the week, tiny waffles. Hmm. See, now people have to stay tuned for the whole entire thing because they want to know what that means. Huh. Okay. Ex- See, you're interested. I, 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 I'm, gonna, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stay tuned in. <laughs> you're not gonna skip the ads. You're not gonna you know you're gonna watch this live. You're gonna No, no, normally normally I phone it in about forty five, fifty minutes in, but we'll stick around tonight. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's do the thing. Okay. So this is all I I assume everybody understands that since this was WWDC week. Um this, that's probably going to occupy a majority of this program, but um, I've got a couple like uh, random things uh, at the beginning. So, are you taking off time uh, out of your day, like the rest of like media Twitter, for Comey's uh, congressional testimony thing tomorrow? So, I was just thinking about that this morning. Um, I, I looking at my schedule tomorrow morning. I it's going to be hard for me to watch it live. And I'm sorry, uh, as a PSA, when, well, not that it's going to be out in time, Pacific time, when is it? 7 a.m. Oh, geez. Yeah, which, you know, and I assume it'll go two hours-ish, one one WWC keynote length, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're hitting that hard and often. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'm just going to have to watch it later in the day. Yeah. So you seem pessimistic on whatever. So are you pessimistic on what's going to come of this or more of just like the political landscape in general revolving this event? Because you sent me a thing that had like the Nate Silver stamp of approval that was kind of like slow your jets left wing. Well, I just and I think his prepared remarks, which were released today, kind of reiterated my feelings coming into this which is we're just not really going to hear anything that we haven't heard before in in existing reporting now there is a lot to be said about hearing it directly from him as opposed to anonymous sources so even if we're just getting confirmation of things that came anonymously before that that is a big deal no no doubt but i think what a lot of folks on the left would probably want to hear tomorrow with some bombshell you know they would want to hear him use the phrase obstruction of justice or something in that regard and i i just don't i just don't think he's going to do that yeah i mean he he if anything has shown that he's a very cautious and yeah a cautious individual so he's not going to be um he's not going to exaggerate or, or what's what's the word i'm looking for I don't know. He's, he's yeah. He's not going to exaggerate what actually would happen. He's probably going to be just very concise, and and his prepared remarks suggest that. So that that's probably true, right? And if anything, this whole entire obstruction of justice case and in the Mueller investigation, like that, that's going to probably be a multi-year or at least at least a year type thing. It's not going to be overnight. We have impeachment proceedings or anything like this. Yeah, I I would I would certainly think so. So I, I think it's um, I, I think tomorrow and, and even the statement that came out today are extremely important and you don't want to normalize 
or diminish the importance of, of what's happening. But I, I just think people's expectations, like the, the idea that bars are opening early across the country tomorrow morning so that people can watch this live. I, that's I, just, I, I hate everything. Like that's, 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 yeah. So, so that's, the, I think the pessimism that you and I were talking about off the air earlier this week, that that's mostly what it stems from. I just, I'm, I'm just not sure it's going to be that type of event. Like people are treating this like it's like the OJ verdict, and that's not what this is. Yeah, that that's that's a good analogy. <laughs> it's a, it's a sad analogy, but here's where. This is but where it, we but it, I I would say maybe not a maybe not a good analogy, an, an effective analogy. How yeah. about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, tonight a good basketball game. Yeah. Um, so weird, but 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 good. <laughs> So, you know, the th- and actually, it's funny because Durant touched on this in his post-game interview, where if you remember last year, so the Warriors actually won games one and two last year. I think the stat is by a combined seven more points than they did games one and two uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So they were even more dominant going into game three last year. And then they just got completely blown out in game three. They were down by 20 points within like the first, I think, seven minutes of the game, maybe even less than that. They just got completely blown out. And they, clearly they remembered that. And it, it's actually, I mean, Durant wasn't on the team last year, so maybe it, it gives it a little bit of a different perspective, but it's kind of rare for players to even sort of acknowledge that that was part of their thought process. But clearly it was. And, um, you know, they they came out with a very different, mentality tonight i think curry after the game said something to the effect of this was their most impressive and and best win in within this kind of three-year run that they're on like durant's three-pointer with like lebron in his face like inches away was as somebody who's a very casual basketball fan was just pretty pretty gosh darn impressive well and you know that that play was sort of like this perfect little microcosm of why they got Durant because put the Warriors in that exact same situation last year all that happens is Cleveland double teams Curry and and then they're they're lost I mean that, that's sort of what happened down the stretch of game seven last year where Curry was kind of the only one that was willing to take the big shot down the stretch and Cleveland could just basically double team him and say okay we dare somebody else to take the shot but now it's okay. Well, maybe we can double team Curry, but then that's going to leave Durant open. Or even if Durant's not open, he's just going to, like you said, step up into your face and knock down the shot anyway. Which you know they just didn't have that last year. Yeah, it's pretty good. A couple of things I'm noticing over the past couple of games, though, in terms of like just like weird observations. Maybe I just don't watch enough professional sports live, or, or maybe baseball doesn't attract the advertising dollars that basketball does. But, um. I haven't seen like a, a FanDuel or a DraftKings ad in forever. And I think there was maybe something inside like the Quicken Loans Arena or something. But like, what whatever happened to them as being like just these, like it was every other ad on ESPN? Um, well, was it, was it every other ad on ESPN? Remember like when, like the, when, like the intro to the 2015 NFL season? Like you could not turn on your TV without seeing like a, a dumb ad for either of those two companies. Well, but that 
I remember that being more during football on CBS and Fox. I don't recall that being like an ESPN thing. Or just like sports in general. Like the advertising budgets were just absolutely insane for them. And it seems like it's it's pretty much vanished. Even during this year's football season. Haven't all of those dollars shifted to their uh, legal departments? Well, that, I'm, I'm that's kind of only thing. half kidding. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Didn't, did like, were, were there merger rumors or did that actually happen? I... I do I do everything in my power to avoid hearing anything about those companies. So I I, I can't tell you. The fir- the first result on Google for this is from legalsportsreport.com, which sounds like the sketchiest website. <laughs> a, a source you can trust. What what would illegal sports report be? Anyway, oh their their key uh headlining topics are industry, legal, sports betting and daily fantasy sports. All right, kudos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, lastly, before we get into the other stuff, and like, and also with this, it seemed like every other ad was about Spider Man. <sighs> yeah, so, but yeah. like, it was so it wasn't just like playing like Sony or whoever actually makes that movie, making like just spending a whole ton of money like playing trailers. Like, there were like I think it was like five unique companies that had like weird cross promotional tie in things. Like one was. Like, I guess some NBA executive telling his son to go get somebody snacks. And then one has, I think his name is DJ Khaled, um, like in a bodega. Like, I, it, it, it's it's so weird. And is, is this just how regular TV is? Well, no, but it, it is how the NBA playoffs are every year. Because you, you think about the timing of when the playoffs happen. It's always late spring into early summer, which is perfectly corresponds to when big movies are coming out or are about to come out. So every year during the playoffs, there there are one or two typically, you know, action movies like Spider-Man that get heavily promoted throughout the playoffs and you eventually get sick and tired of, of hearing about them. So it's kind of the same thing every year. It's just a different movie. And don't don't at me. But unfortunately, this year, it's Spider-Man. I don't think you can, think you can do that on a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a not not a uh, not a Spider-Man fan. I never have been, but I remember when wh- who who was the back when there was new Spider-Man, back when we were oh, which, young people. Which, which which new Spider-Man? It's this is now the third time that it's been re- in the past it, decade. It, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. But no, there was one that Toby Ma- Toby Maguire was the He was our he was the original new Spider-Man, right? Sh- sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, his was fine. I watched one of whatever like eight movies they made of that damn thing, and it was it was fine. It's just not a it's just not a good character. Well, yeah, but no no superhero movies are any good. No, Bat Batman's pretty good. In all fairness, I've seen none of them, so I I I, I reserve I reserve judgment. You would give if you've got if you got some spare time and and you're looking for a new movie to watch. Are you to be the nineteenth person to tell me to watch Dark Knight? Well, you have to watch Batman Begins first. Okay. Um, but even Batman Begins is is excellent. Um, and then I mean, The Dark Knight is. I mean, you can't say enough good things about that movie. That's a that's a top five movie of all time for me. Wow, it's it's really good. And then you you can skip you can skip the third one, but why watch those first two? Yeah, maybe. I currently have 354 movies ahead of that. <laughs> or maybe maybe I'll prioritize it. I don't know. You should. They're, <sighs> they're really, really good. 
and and not to jinx the team, but um, to round out the basketball talk, do you think they're gonna they're gonna sweep it? Yes, I think the really I think there's there's two things for them. One is they remember what happened last year. I think winning on Cleveland's floor would be sweet redemption for Cleveland winning on their floor last year. It'd be definitely and be demoralizing. Uh huh. Always good. And then second, and actually maybe this should have been number one, is I, I think they really want the 16-0 and thing now. I, I has, think... has, has any team ever been completely uh, lossless? No. So no, in fact, this was another step they were running right when the game ended. No, no team in any of the four major sports has won 15 consecutive playoff games like the Warriors have. Wow. Yeah. So I think for them... 16 and 0 would be I I I think I I've heard some other people say this and I I think I would agree with it. I think that would be more impressive than the 73 and 9 regular season record from last year. Cuz everything is so amped up in the playoffs and every team is just so dialed in and and you I mean you're you're playing against the best 16, you know, well 15 other teams in the league and to go that entire run without losing a single game. I mean that's if, if if the Warriors do it on Friday, I mean that that will never be done again. Well, and it's cool because because it is like just literally an unbeatable record. The best somebody could do is match it. That's damn impressive, right? But I mean, I, I it's it's hard to imagine anyone would ever even match it. Yeah, it's it would be really, and I I think I think they want it. I I really do. Yeah. Well, let's not count out the twenty twenty one Lakers. <laughs> yeah, Kobe Bryant Jr. They kept they kept their draft pick. That's that's what matters. Ugh. All right. Okay. Do you want to move on to the to the elephant in the room? I guess yeah. I guess we've got some got some other stuff to talk about here. All right. So Monday's WWDC keynote, which was it, it, not that long. There was a lot to cover. You would not say that. Hey, they're they're padding this out. Even even though like the uh, the augmented reality stuff, I, I could not give two hoots about. Like it was, it was all fairly meaty. There was very little, like, cause you know how, like, there's that one year where they did that weird, um, like toy car demo. Like there was none of that this year. I, I, I'm pretty sure this was off the air in, in, in the thing. I, I made a snarky comment to you about how, yeah, there's always that like 10 minute either tech or sometimes game demo that nobody cares about. And I, I think, I think you're exactly right. This keynote, even though time wise, it was maybe a little longer than most, it had a really good pace to it and it didn't really feel like it had any filler. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And, um, well, unless you want to call the home pot a filler, but Ooh, mm. never mind. No, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the fire emoji for that. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Even like, even like, yeah, the, the star Wars or sorry, the, the ILM, uh, demo, it it had a purpose, even though like for me it wasn't particularly interesting. Um, it, it definitely had a de- uh, purpose amping up the <laughs> it's hard. VR. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to think of anything that's further from your wheelhouse than a <laughs> VR than a, and Star Wars than a, than a v, VR Star Wars video game. <laughs> I, I just I just kept like reminding myself this is about the iMac. This is about the iMac. Right, right. Uh, it comes in space gray now. Or well in December. All right, so uh, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna give you uh, executive privilege here, um, since I think this podcast was your idea. Um, 
do you want to go and order the keynote or do you want to jump around to like the biggest or our most like exciting areas? So we we had the opportunity, we, we were lucky enough that thanks to you to to go to the talk show live last night, mm-hmm. which was excellent. Really, that that was so cool to be at. Um, but I would say the the one criticism I had of it was they did not go in the order of the keynote. And I, it felt like they ended up kind of bouncing around a little bit because of that. So I, I would say we should go in the order of the keynote. That's also what they did in Upgrade this week, and I thought that had a, a much better flow to it. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, par- parliamentary rules, and we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> so they, so they, they had a, an interesting framing device right at the top, which was... Oh, yeah. They had six... Six big announcements, and I, th- I think when oh, so you're you're not talking about the the deleted apps movie, okay? <laughs> well, actually, real quick, but like because that's the intro. Because they've had a couple, like there was the one that had uh, who's that one guy, the guy from SNL? Oh, last year. Um, Hater, Bill Hader. Yeah, that one I actually thought was pretty good. Yeah, last yeah, year. yeah, right. This one was a little weird, um, where it was just like, what would happen if developers didn't exist and all your iPhone apps? disappeared and just everybody in their mind it, uh, everybody loses their mind and society devolves in like the span of like a day which was cute but it, i i don't think it, it fit the narrative but it, it was quick and it got out of the way fast i i actually liked it i thought it was quirky but legitimately kind of funny and i don't know i it's it seemed like kind of a, a neat way to open things yeah and then Tim did uh, skipped right over because I guess they knew they had a packed keynote. There's no retail update or any big. This is how much we paid out to app developers or any of that stuff. It was just it was right into the meat. Yeah, and then that that's where he then kind of and I think literally the slide behind him just had the number six, and he said, you know, we have six big announcements today, and it was it was kind of weird because they did not number them as they went along until they got to number five, which was the iPad stuff. So I think you and I both kind of lost track, like what number we were on. Um, so that, that, that was kind of weird, but I mean, whatever in, in, in retrospect, not a, not a big deal, but just as we were watching live kind of made things a little harder to, to keep track of. And at, at one point that kind of made you and I think like, Wait, are they not doing any of the iPad stuff? Like, what's what's going on? We're an hour and forty minutes in, and <laughs> like the word iPad hasn't even been mentioned once. But but it, it did eventually come through. Uh, but anyway, we're we're getting we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Um, so now we now we do know the numbers, so we we can use use the numbers as we recap here. So number one, which was by far and away the quickest uh, of the six, we had uh, TVOS. Not not a new not like a new an announcement that there was a new version of TVOS coming, although I guess there was absolutely nothing. Like they they said they all, like all they said was that uh, we have much more exciting stuff to announce later in the year, and here's Amazon Prime Video. Well, but then it, it turned out that after the keynote, there was an announcement that TVOS is joining iOS and macOS um, as being part of the the pub public betas over the summer. So there is a new version of TVOS, but it, it didn't even get mentioned on stage. So, but in that like notice, was there any actual feature talked about? No, it, it was the only thing that was mentioned in specifics was Amazon Prime Video. And 
when I watched it live, I, I even missed the part that you caught, which was they alluded to the fact that not only was Amazon Prime Video coming later this year, but many other exciting um, I, items for things for, for the TV, i.e. probably a 4K version of the Apple TV, are coming later this year. So I didn't even notice that originally, so I thought that it was really bare bones, but at least they alluded to, to more coming later in the year. But I mean, all in all, this section of the presentation couldn't have been more than about three or four minutes, right? Yeah. Do you think Tim actually wanted to do the whole Amazon thing where he was like, oh, they have all this great original content? Like, do you, do you think he actually wanted to due to their fraught relationship? Or like, do you think he just gritted his teeth and just churned through? Uh, and so, you know, Mike and Jason sort of speculated that perhaps this was part of the agreement to bring Amazon Prime Video onto tvOS i I have a hard time believing that either party would care that much about it because I mean we get excited about wwdc keynotes but like I I guess put it a different way the audience that watches the wwdc keynote probably already heard that this deal was already signed through whatever Apple rumor site they read, and even if they didn't, they would have known when this app was coming out anyway. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think Amazon would have really dug in their heels around that. So if I had to guess, I would say it was probably just a, a mutual a mutual thing that both parties agreed would be kind of a neat thing. Yeah. And then unconfirmed, but this is apparently part of it, is that Amazon will now go back to selling Apple TV on their website. Right. I don't know if that's happened yet or if that's actually true, but that's been kind of the, the persistent rumor. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've, we've now spent longer talking about this section of the keynote than the actual section of the keynote. So let's, let's move on to number two, which also kind of, I, I guess almost in some ways, the, the order of these is sort of in the order of importance slash interest with maybe the exception of HomePod at the end. But, um, yeah, watch OS 4. Also, not really a lot exciting here, um, unless unless I'm unless I'm missing something. No, it was kind of like a snow watch release. Um, so there was there were some improvements to the fitness app. So it looks like they're just they've because the fitness app and again I don't want to make this all about upgrade, but Mike remarked about on it that like just the fitness app is is generally pretty not good. Like it's just not intuitive. It's not easy to select when you're doing stuff. So they made a lot of um, tweaks to navigation and things like that. And it looks like, and again, we both were questioning this, and I'm not sure if we have an answer yet. Um, they've integrated like a now playing screen or like a music control screen inside the uh, workouts app, which is which is great. Uh, and we're just unsure as to whether or not that only works with the built-in music app or if it works with everything. Uh, but that seems like a cool improvement. Um there's some improvements around like proactive Siri that's supposed to use like Siri suggestions and some of that machine learning stuff. And, and um, yeah, again, they said machine learning like nine times during the thing. Um, so that was one of the improvements. There's a new Pixar watch face, which unfortunately doesn't have Wally. Um, and that, that was pretty much it. I don't know. It seems like a, a decent, like it seems more like a point release than anything else, but I mean, it, it's a yearly upgrade cycle. So what are you going to do? I'm happy that WatchOS three came out, and and I'll I'll deal with this just fine. Yeah, I th I thought the integration of the now playing screen in the workout app was probably the thing I got most excited about on stage. Although, 
like you said, it, it's only really interesting as long as it's the true now playing interface that any third party music app can integrate into. And it's not some only for Apple music thing, which is kind of how it seemed like they were de- or talking about it. But then when you looked at it, it, it seemed like it was just a normal now playing thing. So I, I don't, I don't know the, we'll have to kind of see what that ends up being like, but if it is the true just now playing screen, that would be, be really great. Cause even with the, dock that we got in watch os3 that it's still a huge pain in the butt to get to the now playing screen when you're on a run or something yeah and and i don't want to sidetrack this but this is one complaint that this kept reminding me of is it it is such a huge step back that they made it so like because i understand glances went away um as part of the watch os3 update but it was always just so convenient to be able to swipe up from the bottom to get to now playing and now it takes three taps to to get to now playing and that's that's kind of a bummer but during the, I, I I will trade that happily if if it integrates into the workouts app. Yeah, me me too. So they, they, I guess there were three things that one of which was just like you know they for each of these big sections and kind of like they've always done historically too. They have kind of the big uh, slide at the end that's just got like all the other features they're excited about but don't have enough time to talk about on during the presentation. So one of them was. I guess actually this this was on that slide, but I, I think also when Kevin Lynch was doing the demo, he he may have just briefly like mentioned it, but then moved right past it, which is the dock is now vertically oriented instead of horizontally oriented, which I'm a little skeptical of. Well, I think it's supposed to probably align with kind of like how the proact like I I don't know what the actual um, name of it is, but the the Siri. I think it's just the the Siri the Siri watch face. I think is all they refer to it as. Yeah, so that takes a very like vertical card style approach. So I assume that's what the new dock is like. So I think it's probably just like a visual consistency thing. And to be honest, like I don't, I'm not sure that is going to be any worse or better. I think it's just different. Yeah, probably true. But then the other two items that caught my attention came out after the keynote. There was there's no mention of this on stage. Uh, the first of which was you now have the option to get rid of the Honeycomb app cloud view. And instead, you can have all of your installed apps just in a list, which that seems pretty great. <sighs> Although, if I mean, if you have a lot of apps installed, I could see that list view maybe getting a little unwieldy, but... Even so, it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't be at least a, a minor improvement from the the honeycomb view. Yeah, I, like, and I feel like I'm going to complain about this without having an actual solution. But like, I don't like the honeycomb view. But also with the screen that small, I don't see how that's any better unless you only have like eight apps, including the built-in ones, because then that's basically what the dock is. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, I do. Yeah. Cuz it's like going into the workout app where you have to scroll like three different screens and fiddle with your watch to find out which one is for the the stair stepping machine. Right. Yeah. Well, what what's what's nice though is that it it appears that Apple's giving people the choice, which is kind of kind of an un-Apple like thing to do for such a fundamental part of the look of the OS, but at least so far, it seems like they're going to let people choose whether they want to keep the existing view or go with the new list view. So, you know, choice choice here, I think, is good. Yeah, it's new Apple. Right. Um, and then the, the, the second thing that was not at all mentioned on stage that came out after the keynote, which I thought was kind of interesting, is 
effectively watchOS 4 is only going to be for folks who have an iPhone 6 or newer because in order to install watchOS 4, your phone needs to be able to have iOS 11 installed and iOS 11 is not going to support uh, anything older than the iPhone 6. So I, I, I thought that's, that's kind of interesting. I mean, Apple's gotten pretty good, perhaps, you know, even more than they even would anyone would expect them to do with, with allowing older phones to run the newest versions of, of iOS, but they're kind of taking a different, different approach here. So a couple of clarifications or, or corrections. So it, the 5S is a 64 bit phone. So the 5S will still count, which means they're keeping support for the past four generations of phones. Oh, it's the, okay. You're right. It's it's the five and the five C that yes. are not going to. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Real time correction. And that's the thing where because yeah, iOS 11 because that's the thing. iOS 11 is required for WatchOS 4, which means that that's uh, that is finally where Apple is dropping support for 32 bit um, uh, A series ARM processors. So. I mean, I, I think Apple generally errs on the side of supporting things too long. Like, I mean, I, I don't like it's it's good that they do, but I mean, they maybe do it an extra year than what they need to, and and certainly way longer than Samsung or any Google um, ODM does. But um, yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool, and that's not that's not much of an issue. If you have an Apple Watch, you probably are not using an iPhone five. No, I, th- I given that the five S is included in this, I think that that makes us a lot more consistent with what they've done historically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any, any, anything else with watchOS 4? I, I, I think I, no. I, that was kind of kind of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, again, like, I think the Pixar, uh, the Pixar watch faces, it's kind of neat um, for the, somebody who would like that. Again, I would never use it or maybe more than a minute uh, unless it had Wally. And I don't know, it seems like a missed opportunity, but who knows? Maybe they'll keep doing this type of thing. Yeah, not, not including Wally is... That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, because it totally fits. I think it right. fits way more than than Toy Story does in terms of kind of like a, yeah. And didn't Johnny Ive like actually like consult on that movie for the design well, think, of Eve? He, he, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. all right. So announcement number three: iOS eleven. So this this part of the of the keynote, I think this is kind of where we started getting a little confused about the numbering and about kind of where we were because we went through this entire section where only the iPhone was discussed. So no no iPad features were discussed here under the kind of umbrella term here is iOS 11. So th- this part is just just for the phone. And you know, I kind of kind of a broken record, but it also felt like there there wasn't really a ton new to talk about here. I I think you know the biggest thing for me was is was the redesigned um control center but outside of that not a lot caught my attention here so i i think there was some stuff so i mean again it, it's going all 64 bit which is cool um it's it's kind of a fresh coat of paint on ios it's not a big ios 7 style redesign but it it's good enough um i mean it it's doing some things better or at least taking on some of the problems that ios 10 has uh like control center is getting redesigned and it's going away from that terrible three window pane style slider design into one that looks really strange and probably confusing 
um, but it's a single page, so I'll I'll take it. Um, like the entire operating system now looks like the music app, which um, I, actually I don't hate that design. I just don't think the big like you are here like header thing that takes up like a sixth of the screen is necessary. But whatever. I, and this is a thing where. Like, if you'll remember back, because I actually think this was the the talk show that we went to in, like, 2014 or just 2013, where, um, yeah, like, iOS 7, when that originally came out, was very, very impressive. But also, like, the typeface and everything was all, like, super, super thin and light, and a lot of stuff was difficult to read. And they, they backtracked on that, or at least fine-tuned based on feedback and uh, testing and all that kind of stuff. So I assume a lot of the stuff will get fixed before um final release in september alongside the iphone 8 uh, so so now my turn for some real-time follow-up it, it actually turned <laughs> the, the mac stuff came before ios 11 whatever in the, pres- we'll, in the presentation no. but no, we'll yeah we'll, we'll, we'll stitch it all together we'll we'll, we'll fix this in post oh, wow. <laughs> um so i guess you know for me it was sort of just a bunch of small things so one of the things that I that I really like and can't believe this wasn't already the case is messages now staying in sync through iCloud. Now it's the case where when you start a new conversation on a new device, the conversation going forward will stay synced, but your historical chat with that person isn't on your new device, which never really has made sense. So now this is going to be much more like almost like IMAP, where it's just, you know, no matter where you're logging in, your your message threads are going to be the same, which also includes deleted threads, too, which is great, because now when you delete a message thread on a particular device, it does not get deleted across your other devices. If Anthony Weiner had this, we'd have a different president. (laughs) Too soon. Can't edit that out. Um, So, yeah, so that that's that's good. Like, I understand why it didn't happen before. Um, but no, that, that's good. I, I'm, I'm happy that's the case. Cause that makes it a much more reliable thing. Like, Cause that's one of the reasons why I've never, I actually think I haven't done a clean install of iOS in like six years, just cause I don't want to lose all my text messaging history. Um, and this seems like that might uh, solve that kind of thing. And it's always weird when maybe your Mac hasn't been turned on in a while. And I'm just going to assume that, uh, iOS or sorry, OS 10 high Sierra, uh, adopts this feature as well. It's always a bummer when you haven't used like your Mac in a couple of days or something or something doesn't have a network connection for a while where you just lose like days worth of messages that maybe never got delivered to it. Yeah, they they said on stage that this is not a that's not an iOS 11 feature. That's like a an iCloud feature that Mac OS will also be able to take advantage of. Good. Um other small things, um Apple Apple Pay person to person payments. I I eh. kind of put that in the in the bucket of smaller things because I already have eight different ways that I manage to pay people. It, paying people on your phone already is super easy. Anybody on any platform can do it. So I, I don't know. I, the, the way that it's integrated right into messages is is sort of neat, but I, th- this is a problem for me that's already been solved. This is tricky just because I, I, I understand on a technical level or at least like in a behind the scenes level of how Apple Pay works. But this feels weird just because, like, I don't I don't think your phone maker needs to be your bank. Like, I don't, like, the whole Apple Pay person-to-person virtual debit card or whatever you get inside Apple Wallet, 
like that just seems not i don't i don't even know like do, do you know what i mean i i like, do i just don't see that do. it needs to be a business that like i don't know i think google wallet is more like tolerable just because like google does everything but I'm, I'm not sure apple needs to do that um so I mean it it's fine. Messages is getting a little cluttered, but I mean they're they're like again like in in Asia and a lot of other places like people just like the the messaging app is the operating system so basically. So I mean that's I assume some people will get used to it. So I don't know. Anything that makes not having to have cash is is fine by me. Right. Uh you know a bunch a bunch of small Siri uh, announcements, but certainly not like the big next step in Siri that some people were expecting coming into the presentation, particularly in light of there being this kind of rumored Siri speaker device. You know, all we got were some some new voices, the ability to ask follow-up questions, translation, which I think on paper actually does sound really cool, but the, the bullet point that I wrote down on my notes here is there's no way that it actually works. <laughs> so, you know, I would love to be proven wrong, but I don't know. I, I find a hard time to believe that with as hard of a time as Siri has for doing basic tasks, doing something as difficult as translating one language to another, uh, I'm I'm skeptical of. I can ask her how to not overcook that egg in Italian. <laughs> right. So, that's... so we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um I, I thought some of the, the camera improvement stuff was was neat. Um, I, I've never been a big fan or a big user of live photos, but I think the enhancements there are actually really cool. Again, nothing huge, no, you know, revolutionary step forward here, but just like lots of, lots of these little neat things around the edges that, that I think are, that I think are nice. And the, the live photo one in particular, I, I'm excited to try. Yeah. And there's a whole lot, um, Again, I'm not a seven plus user, but the like depth API and, and stuff like that, and the more access that um, third party camera applications are getting, I think is really neat. And we'll see that in in due time as as to where that comes. And then the only other tangentially related thing to that is that um, the Photos app, um, or it's like part of iCloud syncing for iCloud Photo Library, it's actually going to start synchronizing some of that. Um, machine learning metadata and like face detection stuff across devices so that post-processing doesn't have to happen on every single device and won't sometimes be out of sync which which is an improvement like i just um like i I, i'm crabby about it just because it seems like last year they acted like they couldn't do it for privacy reasons and now i think when i'd really think it just wasn't done but anyway, overall, it's it's an improvement that makes iCloud Photo Library a more complete product. Well, I don't know. I, I think it legitimately wasn't done last year because of the privacy considerations. And they had to really work through those privacy concerns in order to come out with the finished product. So I, those, 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 those two things are compatible, I think. Well, well so what makes you think that? Well, because that's exactly what Craig said on stage at the talk show live last night. But what? But what privacy concerns? I'm I'm not a. Whoa! You mean I, I thought you were asking me like how they solved it technically? Well, I mean like um, no specifically. What were the privacy concerns? Because because if you, if you're because your photos are already encrypted. Well, but I don't. But I guess also keeping the like facial recognition stuff also encrypted. That maybe that that could have been technically difficult somehow. All right. I'll give, them a, I'll give them a pass. But because I do like a iCloud Photo Library and it's, and it's extremely reliable. 
Yeah. Or yeah. robust, whichever I, the better word is. <laughs> Um, here's one thing that actually I'll, that I think you'll get a good and angry about. So the redesigned app store. I, okay. So here's the thing. So I'm, I'm going to tee this up or frame it, but so it looks very, very like, like it and the music app moved in together and the music app get to choose all the, got to choose all the furniture, got to choose all the furniture. Like it's, I don't hate it. Um, that's a, that's a ringing endorsement. Well, no, because I know you hate it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're very, you're very, uh, dis- you're you're decidedly against it. Um, I don't I don't mind it because the main reason I don't mind it is that the demo app page or game page that they showed for Monument Valley Two, which got released during the keynote, which was which is pretty great and it's a great game. And spoiler on the pick of the week, um. Like the app page is so much better in terms of showcasing what an app is, what the developer wants you to know about it, tell a story about it. It puts reviews in their place where they're not the dominant thing where one like weirdo who's mad that an app costs 99 cents, like can't just like dominate what an app page looks like. I don't know. Like, I think that's really good. The main tab, which I think is the one that you have an issue with, which is called like today which I know that that sounds weird for an app store. Like that that's like whatever. I don't know. Like that's that's a different way of showcasing like editor's choice and things like that. I don't think this is that bad and I actually think in a lot of ways it's a huge huge improvement. I think as I've read more about it and and saw some more images and and actually even as the the keynote presentation went along, I I became a little less harsh on it than I was right after seeing that first screen, you know, my, my issue really is, and, and we touched this, touched on this a little bit with the messages app. I, I just don't care for the music app design language. I, I don't like the idea that, you know, the today page is a good example where the word today is in big, bold print and takes up like the top third of the screen. Like why? Like that's, that's stupid. I just, I, I, I just, I don't particularly care for that design, but, but to be fair, I think, there are a lot of smart decisions being made here. The idea of separating out games and apps, I think, is really smart. I think the individual app pages look great. Um, so there, there, there is some some to like. And despite my reservations about the kind of Apple Music-ish design, I, I think this will end up being a pretty significant improvement over the existing App Store. Which really like kind of looks the same as it did in it wasn't even called iOS two, it was just uh iPhone OS, right? iPhone OS two. Yeah, until the iPad came out with three dot two dot two. Right. Um so on that note, there were a couple of things that weren't talked about during the keynote, which I actually haven't researched, so I don't know if these are actually true, but they were on that big slide with the things in the background. But it looks like actual app trials are gonna be a thing now. Well, so the I wrote this down too. So on that slide, it expanded free trials was the phrase. So I, I want to know where current free trials are, or I'm not just pay, I'm just not paying attention. Yeah, that's a good point. I I don't know either because I know like because like the Omni Group and a few other people are experimenting with basically like just giving out the base app for free. I think like this is how the new Omni Outliner works, and then you have an in-app purchase that makes it like pro, which unlocks most of the features, which I I think is. Like it's it's a hack and it's not great, but I mean it's it's working within the confines of the system. But like, I would be much more willing to gamble on 
iPad productivity software or, or stuff that's a more substantial investment if there were free trials. Because like I'm not opposed to spending money on software, but I'm super opposed to <laughs> wasting twenty or thirty dollars on an app that looks fine in screenshots and you you find out just stinks. Yeah. So I hope that's the thing, and and we'll we'll touch on that more when we go to the to number five or whatever the iPhone the iPad one was. Um, and there were some other cool things that came, that kind of trickled out after the keynote. Like, um, there's like this uh, I forget what they actually call the feature, but one where like you can have like a Mac and an iPhone next to each other, or like two iOS devices, and they can kind of like inherit settings from the other to speed up setup. That seems pretty neat. Yeah, so it, it, so I I put a link in the thing. Um, this was a tweet from uh, that that Dan Morin or Dan Morin linked to in a tweet where it kind of has like the the way that you set up an Apple Watch where you mm-hmm. have like that kind of mm-hmm. weird like it's not a QR code but it's like a QR code like in in terms of its functionality. It looks like a HomePod. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, where you can, yeah, just kind of instantly transfer settings from one device to the next. So that that looks kind of interesting. Um, the Wi-Fi password sharing thing's pretty, super, a very specific feature, but a very cool feature. Right. So, yeah, so you're, you're going to be able to share um, Wi-Fi connectivity and, and on a screen that looks very similar to like the AirPods setup screen, which I think that that that's super cool. Which I think, you know, th- these types of things and almost everything we've been talking about so far... Maybe with the exception of the App Store, which I think is truly like this big kind of thing. It's all this like little neat stuff around the edges that, you know, actually maybe the way all this shakes out is it doesn't give quite as exciting of a demo. But like when you actually go to use it, it's it's this type of stuff that that really makes a big difference. And some responses from the early beta say it, it's faster, too. Yeah, I um I th- I'm strongly considering giving the the public beta a try. Maybe not the first one, but like the second or third one. I, I think I did that with. I don't remember if I did that with iOS 10 or if I did that with iOS 9. I, I did it with one of them, and, and it it was fine. And you don't have any old iOS devices around the house, or actually, you probably don't use your iPad that much because it's an iPad. Well, so that's that's what I was going to say is for, for a long time, I think even going back to, I forget what version of iOS they started the public betas with, maybe eight or nine. Uh, whenever the first public beta started, I, I instantly started doing that on the iPad because if my iPad gets bricked, I mean, whatever, I'm, I'm not super concerned about that. Um, <laughs> You're really selling the it being a vital part of your work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but particularly in this year, which which we'll we'll get to here shortly, where most of the exciting stuff is happening with the iPad, I'm I'm really excited to to try try that stuff out. Yeah, and then what? what so actually, I, I talked about this earlier, but I'm not sure I, you you got a chance to chime in. Like, what are your thoughts on Control Center? Oh yeah, um, as I, I have some stuff written down, I was going to try to to follow up on that. So we'll we'll again we'll edit all this together. Um. And so what it's I have written, uh, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. What I have written down is literally just the phrase "ugly but one page and highly functional." And I still, I still feel the same way. I don't particularly love the way that it looks, but the fact that it's one page now, I think, is one hundred percent the right decision. They should have never split it into three pages like it currently is, and it it does really seem like it's super, super functional between just the way. 
that everything is accessible on one page, the way that you can now 3D touch into things, the way that you can customize the layout. Just across the board, it seems like it, it kind of does everything you want it to do. So because of that, I can kind of forgive the weird way that it looks. Yeah, and and the weird thing, well, so and it's it's so it's customizable. You have like a, a tray of icons that you can rearrange stuff on, but also the, the default one that they keep showing has no home stuff on it, which I find curious. But hmm. um, there was one other thing. Oh, this so you had to round out iOS eleven. The one thing that I didn't get, and I think we talked about this, was uh, like t- uh, who who did the demo? Was it Craig? of ios 11 yes yeah like there was this thing where they're like here's the new notification center and the notification center is basically the lock screen which makes no sense to me i didn't get that either and it's funny so we you know in addition to the talk show we also were were lucky enough to go to the relay m relay fm meetup on monday and i think you you asked jason about this and he also was kind of like, yeah, I not really, wasn't really sure what to make of that. Um, so yeah, I I don't one hundred percent understand how that how that works or or why that change was made. It 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 sounds like maybe it has something to do with the fact that there's been kind of this weird use case where Touch ID two is so fast that having notifications appear just on the lock screen. It's like sometimes you can just like blow right past them. Well, but if you remember, because like this was one of the things when iOS 10 came out is that like I think the way iOS works for both of us is that we've changed the setting where – because like if you use iOS 10 on an iPhone 7 right now and you wake up the phone, you actually have to press the home button a second time so that you don't blow past the lock screen. I think that's just the way we have our phone set up. That That's how I have mine set up, yeah. Yeah. So, and also somebody, like a couple people on Twitter were saying that, oh, this is like the precursor to iPhones without lock buttons or without like a sleep-wake button, which kind of makes sense, but also seems not good. I don't know. Huh. I assume this is something that, that, yeah, like I thought that was interesting, but also they, I had this instant, I don't like it, I don't like change type thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I do with everything in life. Um but yeah, like I think that's something that will play out or we'll get more clarity on as as the public betas get worked through. So we'll see. Yeah. And then, you know, they they spent a lot of time on the AR stuff, uh, which was kind of at the end of the iOS 11 segment. You know, they introduced AR kit and, and had a bunch of different demos. I kind of expected them to go more more in like an informational direction. Yeah. And they seem to be really just focused in on game use cases which for me is probably not going to be something I'm interested in. I mean, I I never played Pokemon Go. I I don't really play a lot of games on my phone anyway, and the idea that I'm going to like walk around just out in the wild playing a game like where I have to like hold my phone up and do kind of all that kind of weird stuff. I, it's that's probably not that's probably not my my thing. But it's cool. It's cool tech, I guess. Yeah, and I guess like again, I'm I'm super down on this kind of thing. But I, I guess it is nice that there's maybe a standardized um, like developer platform, so that if this does become a thing, because like I assume this is one of the technologies where when somebody does something really interesting with it, and you see the concept married with like perfect implementation, you'd be like, oh, this makes sense now. I guess it's kind of cool that Apple is going to have like an operating system level. Um, 
framework that helps people make the applications that will will prove the concept. But right now, I don't see it. But right, yeah. Okay, well, so now, so so skipping back, or after we fix this all in post, this will be this will be as if we talked about this first. <laughs> um, so Mac OS High Sierra, which just a a terrible terrible name i i've thought this is what i guessed to you when it was clear that they were going to go with the kind of the snow leopard mountain lion kind of naming convention i totally thought it was going to be sierra nevada which i thought would have been a pretty good name um but but high high sierra and we got it just a wonderful dad like joke from craig about it being fully baked uh pretty pretty good yeah i've i i didn't like it but um yeah i i don't think it's a good name no it's it's not a good name um because it comes in a lot like because those are like again as a mac advocate like i i those like the mountain lion and um snow leopard releases were always some of like just the absolute best and most reliable and and for me like highly anticipated releases because it was like you know we did a whole bunch of new stuff in in this previous os and we're gonna make it better and we're gonna focus on stability and and it's just gonna be just we're gonna make it rock solid which is great but i don't know that the name is silly the whole name concept like should really go away um like the place name thing it's it's just not like just just make it os 10 10.13 or whatever that that's basically the same thing um the operating system the marquee features were some improvements to safari which most people don't use but if like if those features take off at all i'd be very happy that they did because it's going to have some built-in stuff for autoplay video blocking uh some privacy protections to stop um uh retargeting and cross-site scripting that allows you to be tracked through ads which is neat um oh uh APS uh APFS is going to be um the new default um file system now which is which is pretty great um I'm trying to think of what the other the other features were well I think uh, you know they I wrote down the phrase that they used which was it, it's deep on the fundamentals so I think it's you know they cited things like um the the mail app is like takes up 30% less disk disk space um you know so things that aren't necessarily like like remember it was like I think it was with Snow Leopard which Snow Leopard was the first time they did this right where they did like a a big release that was focused yeah, on just improvements yeah. and they they like had the concept of like, well, there's like 130 new features and like, you know, 118 of them were kind of like under the hood type stuff that you wouldn't really historically have considered like a consumer facing uh, feature. And I, I think that that's the case here. Yeah. And, and, I, and I forget which one it was, but I think it was like Mountain Lion where one where there was like, you know, like, let's let's declutter and, and let's like, let's just slim down as much as we can the built in applications. And that had a big benefit for disk space usage as well as like launch times and that kind of stuff. Right. So yeah. So if they if they can streamline the operating system, that like that's that's great. Especially since some of the more popular computers that they're selling are like I'm not. This isn't like a backhanded compliment, but like but like the MacBook is kind of an underpowered computer, sort of. So if they can find a way to make to reduce the overhead of the operating system itself, like that that's that's wins all around. 
for the super professional user and also the person using um, like an ultra portable that maybe is less powerful. I think the the, the big like, consumer facing features that that people are really going to notice are the improvements to photos. You know, for the photos app is becoming more and more like Aperture or Lightroom. Uh, a, a lot. I mean, it's not certainly not to that level yet, but you know, Photo, like Photos.app is becoming much more mature. Like it, because like when it came out, there were a lot of things that iPhone, like even iPhoto, had that it was missing. Um, but no, it's it's becoming a yeah a much more mature product. Like the round trip edits are cool. Yeah, yeah. And then the other big thing, uh, Metal Two. So this is where they folded in. They're going to have a, a developer kit available, which will eventually be available to consumers as well. That has a Thunderbolt three external video card, um, and then also they're now supporting VR. So all that all the VR stuff they demoed kind of rolls up under Metal Two. So they're going to specifically develop um, or support rather development with the HTC Vive, which which works on Steam VR. Uh, notable that. Oculus was not mentioned anywhere during the presentation or in any of the materials I've seen afterwards. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, don't think that's, I don't think that's a mistake. You know, Oculus has been publicly very critical of, of Apple. And I granted most of that came from Palmer Lucky, who's no longer with the company, but still they didn't quite, <laughs> didn't quite get that relationship off on the, on the, on the best first, first step. Um, Ooh, okay. So yeah, so the VR stuff, like, no, sorry, not to derail. Um, also, uh, H.265, which is probably not that exciting right now, but that's that's going to be huge, especially for, for like a 4K video advocate like yourself. Um, and also just like file size and compression stuff. That is actually one thing that I think is extremely cool. That's a very obvious under the hood um, feature implementation that's going to be really neat. Uh, yeah, and we, we, we failed to mention that that's also, that is also coming to iOS 11 as well. Oh, it is nice. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, nice. But I think on the on the software side, that's you know th- that that's that's the big thing. I think a- APFS is going to be one of those things that's going to be really interesting to see the transition towards and and the mm-hmm. benefits of. Um, but it's, it's something that only people like you and me get excited about. Um, but then you know the along along with the Mac stuff, we also got new hardware. Yeah, um, which I'm I'm remembering now. I think this is where I got kind of confused. Where I thought that Mac OS High Sierra and then the new Mac hardware were like two separate announcements, but they were all kind of folded into one big announcement. Um, so w- on the hardware side, we got upgraded iMacs, we got upgraded MacBook Pros, and upgraded MacBook Air, and then a sneak peek of the iMac Pro. Um, I think of of those items, the the one that I'm most interested in is are the upgraded iMacs. It's it's been well documented on the program that I've I've wanted a five K iMac for some time, um, and I I wrote down you know a handful of of things that I that I was interested in here. But my last bullet point, in my notes is I want one, <laughs> which I think kind of summarizes my feelings of uh, of the new iMac. So I'm going to remind you that so many things this year and for the next four years are going to be out of your control. This seems like one that's completely in your control. <laughs> um, you know, it, it has, you know, if, if you were to ask like you or me, okay, new IMAX coming, what's it going to have basically has everything that you'd expect, you know, an, an improved display, uh, new, is it KB Lake, uh, Intel CPUs, 
Yeah, so the entire Mac line, other than like the Mac Mini, got the new seventh generation Intel Core processors. So yeah, All right. Um, options for more memory, uh, Fusion drives now standard on most configs. Uh, Thunderbolt three, which of course was introduced with the, um, the the fall refresh of the MacBook Pros. Um, so yeah, I mean, kind of what you would expect like an iterative upgrade on on the iMac to be. Um, they lower the price on the uh, what is it? Is it is it twenty one inches, twenty one point something inches? Is that the four K one or there are or are there three sizes? Yeah, that, that that's that's the four K one. Yeah, so they, they lowered the entry price on that, but not the twenty seven, which I was a little bummed out about. But because if I, if I got one, it would be the twenty seven. But oh well. So yeah, that that's uh, that's neat. Um, the the billions of colors thing like i mean the the display on the current one is 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 pretty amazing so i i'm very well actually maybe i shouldn't look at one in store but <laughs> like i i can't think of how it could get better so that's that's really 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 cool um there was one other thing about them though i'm trying to think um like some graphics improvements um actually no that's it i think everything else was related to like that vr demo oh it's got USB C on the back which is kind of yeah, I, I had to, well, I, I so I, I had to I had to remind myself during the presentation that Thunderbolt three is USB C. Is that true? Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, cool. the, well, the way the way that Apple's implemented it, yeah, sure. Like when you look at the product page, which mm-hmm. I may or may not have been doing, um, you they when they show the back, they say Thunderbolt three, and in parentheses they put USB C. Yeah. Um. So they, you know, they, they, that's where they spent the the bulk of their time on the hardware side, and then they they kind of breezed past the MacBook Pros and the Mac, MacBook Air because all we got there were just processor bumps. Which you know, good that Apple's kind of getting back to a more regular upgrade cadence with that stuff. So that that's sort of the headline there, but not a lot else to talk about, I don't think. Um, and then you know they they did a, a quick little sneak peek of the iMac Pro. Um. You know, it's 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 a computer that's not for either of us or for like ninety nine point eight percent of the population. Um, you know, I th- I thought Schiller's comments in the talk show live last night were pretty interesting, where he said something to the effect of like, "Yeah, you know, we actually we don't really know exactly like how many people this is for. Like, we we think there's a market for it, and Wait, did you know, he say we that? yeah, he said we think there's a market for it, and we think people are going to be interested in it, but we don't know exactly how many people." So we'll see how it goes. I think he said something almost exactly to that effect. So interesting. Um, you know, it, it, it's an it's an incredibly cool piece of hardware. Um, you know, they they had already signaled that this was coming when they did the Mac Pro um, briefing a couple of months ago. Although, you know, with with the upgrades that were being made, just even to what's now, I guess, the base iMac. You know, some people, I think, during the presentation may have just interpreted that, oh, you know, maybe this is what they meant by pro configs of the iMac, but but it's actually an entirely separate machine. Um, and I think, <laughs> at least for me, I, I think the coolest part about it, since the Xeon processors and things like that don't really make any difference for me, the fact that it's in space gray is awesome. Yeah, I mean, so so it looks really cool. It's gonna have so there's no like dual GPU or dual CPU options, but like it's gonna have between eight and and eighteen core, uh, super expensive Xeon processors, um, and that kind of stuff. So like in in a allegedly high powered uh, 
ATI or AMD, whatever the brand name is. A- AMD. Not, yeah. Um, high-powered processor or graphics processor. So, I mean, it, it seems really cool. Did you think it was going to be, like, because I, I know you might not be pricing out Xeons all the time, but did you think when you heard the price, did you think that was a lot or about mm, right? That seemed about right. I mean, you, when you fully spec out some of these 27-inch iMacs, I mean, they, they, they're like thirty-five to four thousand dollars, I think, right? Uh, maybe like thirty-two, but also the four, the five thousand dollar one is that is the starting configuration. Yeah, no, I mean, considering the price of of the Mac Pro, no, I mean that I think that's that that didn't strike me as crazy. Okay, it's just it's just super disappointing that that space gray <laughs> is only on the Pro, and they also said after the announcement that they will not be selling the space gray accessories separately. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, yeah, it looks cool. It's, I guess, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's something to lust after, but it's, 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 it's whatever. Put it this way. If, if the base iMac came in space gray, there is a, this would not be a conference. This, yeah, there's a highly, highly likely scenario that I would have already bought one. But anyway, okay. I think, I think that, that's all of the Mac stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also just only the only last two things. Uh, iMac Pro doesn't ship until December and also seems weird to price out a computer that's six months in the future. But what else? Kind of does. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. All right. The, the, the big the big thing of the keynote, which in, in retrospect, we would probably wouldn't have thought it was. But uh, yeah, iOS 11 for iPad and then the iPad 10.5 inch. Yeah, so they um, they started with the hardware. So unlike so with the with the the Mac, they went kind of went software then hardware. iPad, they went hardware then software. So we got the long rubber ten point five inch iPad Pro. You totally nailed this. Where the way this is going to work is this is now replacing the nine point seven inch iPad Pro, which is pretty interesting because they they started talking about the hardware. And mentioned something to the effect of, you know, the 9.7 inches by far and away our most popular iPad, <laughs> and then proceeded to then kill that version of the of the iPad Pro. It's like the the uh, iPod Nano with the iPad Mini. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but it, you know, I but I, I it makes total sense because, like we talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago, there's no way that you could have a 9.7 inch and a 10.5 inch version of of the same tablet that just doesn't doesn't make any sense um so you know compared to the 9.7 inch you've got a 20 percent bigger screen with 40 percent smaller bezels apple saying they say always like to do this when they come out with new screen sizes they like to justify why the screen size exists so they really highlighted the fact that you can get a full on-screen keyboard you can have a full size smart keyboard um and Serenity Caldwell posted something on Twitter, which I thought was really good, that compared the physical dimensions of the 9.7-inch iPad to the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. And it, it really is minimally like larger in terms of its actual footprint. But then you get that 20% bigger screen. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it looks like a really cool device. Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure if you just said this, but um, the 120 hertz screen seems like it's going to be great, which is going to improve pencil support. Um, it just looks like a really nice, refined improvement to the iPad Pro. 
Yeah, so I, I didn't get didn't get into that stuff yet. But they they have ProMotion now. They're calling it. So you've got 120 hertz refresh rate on the screen, um, which is compared to the 60 hertz that we have on most mobile displays currently. The device will dynamically adjust the refresh rate based on whatever content you're looking at. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing that in person too. Um, same camera as the iPhone 7 now, so you've got like the True Tone Flash, and you've you've got all the the camera improvements that the iPhone 7 brought. Uh, new processor, the A10X, um, and then all of these updates, in addition to coming to the smaller iPad Pro, are also coming to the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. So new display, new processor, uh, ProMotion, A10X, all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know why I was skeptical. I mean. I- I probably shouldn't have been, but um, that the that they would kill off the the thirteen inch. You know, I, I my guess is that they don't necessarily sell a ton of them, but I bet the margin's really good in that device because it's 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 significantly more expensive, and you know, undoubtedly that big of a screen costs more to make. But I I, I bet there's a pretty pretty good pretty good margin there. They wouldn't have to sell a ton of them to justify its existence. So yeah, overall the hardware improvements seem great. Uh, there's actually so there's differentiation now between the current just iPad iPad model and this one. So there's more of a logical case to make why you'd want to step up to this. Um, and I, and I just found it curious is like in in retrospect that they would do an entire introduction showing just like iOS 10 screenshots. I mean, I know that builds up the surprise of what's happening with iOS 11, but it just seems, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just they're they're smarter than me. But that that was kind of a weird way to present it. Yeah, I I thought so too. But but then also it it kind of made sense because you also wouldn't necessarily want to show the 10.5 inch iPad Pro for the first time with iOS 11 because iOS 11 isn't going to be out yet when this device comes out next week. So that's 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 a very wise point. Yeah. All right. No, that that makes total sense. But yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I've mentioned this previously on the show where because I have a iPhone 7 Plus now, it really does kind of bump up against the the screen of, of the iPad Pro where, the, you know, the difference between them obviously is, is less than what I had before when I had the non-Pro phone. So I'm, but the but the 12.9 inch has always been kind of too big for, for most of my purposes so i'm really interested to see the 10.5 inch in person because it seems like that's maybe the perfect balance between having a slightly bigger screen without having you know a absolutely enormous device yeah but anyway so i, I think the, the real news here of course is the the, the software you know, you know ipad focused improvements to ios have been a rumor you know they really picked up around ios 10 but i mean you could date them well before that and I think you know the consensus. Um, the consensus across the community is that Apple kind of, kind of nailed this. Like this is exactly exactly what people who you know, quote unquote, use the iPad for work. Like this is you know, or for getting things done. Like this is what um, this is what people were looking for. Do you want to describe it, or do you want to? Uh, I- I've I've got a lot of strong feelings about this. Well, so let me. I guess I'll I'll just I'll hi, I'll highlight the the key features, and then yeah, you you start you start the deep dive. So we've got a new dock, we've got a new multitasking page, we've got a new app switcher, we've got the ability to drag and drop. There's the files app. There's markup kit, 
and the new screenshot feature. There's an enhanced notes app. Um, yeah, I think the, those are those are the big points. So so uh, take us in for for a deeper look. Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna link to uh, I think a, a a tweet that sums almost all this up, which is uh, from Marco Arment. Turns out the past of computing had a lot of good ideas. Because you will hear iPad and iOS advocates talk about these devices as being the complete future of computing. And there's too much legacy baggage with uh, traditional desktop operating systems and all this kind of stuff. Yet, when you finally see the improvements to this mobile operating system that make it look like a competent productivity platform for the first time ever it basically means that they've taken a whole bunch of traditional computing ideas and moved them to a touch interface it and i'm i i'm happy it's happened but there's there have been like a solid three years of people trying to pretend that they weren't necessary which which grinds my gears a little bit because if you think about all the cool things that are in here that make it seem like something that's going to be much more usable to people, like so you have multitasking in something that does look kind of a lot like Windows, sort of. Like so you can do you can do slide over, you can still do split view, but you can also have a third application that just hovers over on top of the screen, which kind of just seems like another window uh, of another application. Uh, you have this dock that you can call up from the bottom of the screen at almost any time. You can drag and drop things between windows and applications and that kind of stuff. Um, the home screen could be a little bit denser. Um, there's just it, it, tons of things that make this, it, it's going to be better for the iPad and for people who prefer that type of device, but it's just stuff that it was already there. And I think Apple for a very, very long time was very resistant to the idea of bringing these ideas over. Like even when they made iCloud drive and all these types of things, like they were very adamant about like the idea that no, like when you make a document or a file inside of an application, it lives there. And then it, at the very most you can use share sheets to maybe sometimes share things in between apps. But like when you make a text file inside of like uh, pages or whatever, no, there's no file system. There's nothing on this device. It lives there and that's it. And, and that's the end of the day. I don't know. And then when when they basically make a finder for iOS, which is what the Files app is, um, that has some nice snap-ins for third-party cloud storage services, which again is a feature I'm sure is going to be great and I will really, really enjoy. I don't know. It just seems... No. I'm, I'm the crotchety old man, but like, it, it seems like this stuff that so many people were opposed to but are now championing in as like the future of computing i don't know well so i i kind of buy into the way that schiller was describing this during during the talk show live which is they're finding ways and he kind of held up the files app as being the the best example of this where they're not just porting mac os features to ios like they're not they're not making iOS more Mac-like or the Mac more iOS-like. Instead, they're finding ways to bring what's best about both platforms and modifying those features so that they work the the best they can on that particular platform. And again, using files as the example, 
it's not as if they came along and said, okay, now you basically have a file system that you that you have to use on the iPad, just like you do on the Mac. Instead, if you never want to see that, fine, no problem. You don't even have to download the Files app. But if you are someone who has workflows or who has a particular file structure that they use, here's the standalone app that you can that you can use for that. So it it you know it, again to take Apple's view of this, like it's sort of like the best of both worlds. But on a Mac, if you want to pretend the file system doesn't exist, you can just use the open dialog box the same way that the um like the whatever. Like when you open an iOS app and it just shows you like recent files like that, you can pretend that there's only one folder on your computer. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I think this is a, a, a move for the best. And like again, I'm not saying it's just, oh, they're they're like, it's it's not like a Windows 10 situation where they're just trying to throw touch interfaces on a keyboard and mouse operating system. Like, I, I think Apple's more clever than that. And I think they're doing a hell of a lot more here that they do deserve a lot of credit for. I'm just saying there's been a lot of talk for several years that, no, there's too much baggage with uh, traditional operating systems, and these ideas are not going to move forward, and that, no, you should never see a file system, and no, um, like, Windows and, like, intense multitasking and that kind of stuff, no, that's not necessary. I don't know. It, it it looks very, very solid. Like of all the things when I think of like the times that I've tried to go all in on the iPad and 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 failed miserably, like I think this would tackle eighty percent of those use cases, which I think is, is very commendable. Cause I think like there is a lot to be said for the utility and, and kind of niceness of um of the iPad as a form factor. So no, this this look this looks great. I'm super excited for this and, and I think for the people who do prefer iOS as like their primary computer platform, like that, this is going to be amazing for them. And I, I'm very happy that, that I'm very happy that Apple's giving um, iPad and specifically productivity uses the attention that it deserves for the product line to continue. Cause if you treat the iPad, as just like, this is a thing that people use to watch Netflix and maybe sometimes read a book on the sales are going to continue to drop. And people will buy one every four years until it dies. And that's not probably in their interest. They need to convince people that it's something that they can actually do work on, or at least has the extensibility if they ever decide they want to do that. And that's what's going to move product. And that's why this is going to be pretty successful. Overall, I was I was really impressed. Because I think like in our preview, like I was saying, I... I and please don't dig up any clips or anything. But like, I'm pretty sure I said that like they're going to spend very little time on on the iPad, or that, it, that like these big updates aren't going to actually happen. And I'm I'm very glad I was wrong. Yeah, and I I, I took the opposite view, and I, I really did think that they would really go after the iPad, and that's that's what they did. Good job. You won our draft that didn't actually happen. That's right. Um, but, you know, the, I guess the last thing that I'll that I'll say on this, which is just sort of a, a minor little observation. We've commented many, many times about what a convoluted mess the iPad line has been over the years. When you look at the the iPad, uh, the, the the buy iPad page, I guess on Apple's website now, there's this kind of compare iPad models section, and it's it's very clean now. It's 12.9 inch iPad Pro, 10.5 inch iPad Pro, iPad, iPad Mini, and then think in six months, iPad Mini Four will not be here anymore. 
True, right. Like yeah. they're, they're going to let it die a natural death and it's going to be here's entry level or like here's like satisfactory for most people and then here's for professionals in two sizes. Like that's that's the restrained and opinionated Apple product lineup that I have been very used to and I think made them very successful in the past. So I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And also a half terabyte of storage. Not for me, but impressive. So, okay, maybe this will be my last comment <laughs> on this. So, um, so yes, it is. But again, the way that Apple tears the storage is so frustrating. So frustrating. How so? So, so the entry level for the iPad Pro, 64 gigabytes. Not enough. What you, what, uh, oh, hold on. For, for like a decade, they would not budge from like 8 or 16 gigabytes. And now your math at 64 is not enough? Well, no, that's been the case on the phone, not the iPad. Uh, iPad was started at 16 gigs for a, like up until 2015. Well, okay, I, I would have been mad about that too. But, but six, so it goes from 64 gigabytes to 256, which like for me, like if, if I were to buy one of these, 64 is not enough. 256 is too much. It, it, nothing's ever too much. I don't need, it's, it, I don't need 256 gigabytes of space on my But iPad. it's only a hundred dollars. Like if they were really screwing you on the price, maybe like, I don't see the point of having a 128 slot in between these two to save you $50. Yeah, maybe. Like if, if if it was sixty four gigs for and then it was a two hundred dollar jump to two fifty six and then I think you would have a valid criticism. Fair. Okay. Anyway, so uh, announcement number six. So you know the the long rumored Apple Hi Fi or iPod Hi Fi two point or Siri speaker or Lady in a Can um, ends up being called the HomePod, which you know, given its its music focus, which which I think we can get more into, kind of a weird name, but also kind of kind of makes sense. It's grown on me. Yeah, me too. So they, you know, I the what I wrote down here is like Apple. Apple's been doing this for a long time. Like most recently, I, I thought of with the watch, how they they kind of tried to announce it in a way that very much echoed the way that they introduced the original iPhone. Where you kind of had like the three, the three key features, like they did exactly the same thing with this. Where it's like, okay, there's three key things that that this thing does, which was rock the house, spatially aware, and musicologist. So the Apple's very consistent with the way that they frame their products. Although I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of a strange way they did this. Where so Schiller gets up there, he talks about the Sonos, he talks about the Echo, and he says that, yeah, you know, the Sonos sounds pretty good, but it's not smart. The Echo's oh, smart. What? Oh, no, please continue. Sorry, I'm going to research something, and I'm going to send it to you. Please okay. continue. Um, but, you know, so they they both kind of leave something to be desired. But but then, you know, with, with the, the three key points that I just made, right, like, those are all three music related none of those have to do with the smart features so i thought it was weird that they sort of like emphasized sonos's lack of like smart home type or voice control type stuff 
as being a big deal, but then they kind of started talking about their own product and then really only started talking about the smart features at the very end, almost like an afterthought. So it's it's very, very much a music-first device and then kind of has like some serious stuff thrown in on top, which like for me personally, especially as someone who lives in a small one-bedroom apartment who doesn't really have a big enough space to warrant a, a nice speaker. And even, even if I had a bigger space, like I mean, I have neighbors, I can't be blasting music. So like, for me, this is not a device that I'm, that I'm interested in. Like I'm, I'm far more interested in the smart home stuff. And, you know, to be fair, nobody's really had a chance to play with it yet. So we'll see, but based on my experience with Siri on the phone and based on my experience with the echo, like I'm, I'm think I'm, I'm pretty content just to stick with the echo. Yeah, so very much so. Like, so th- this is complicated because, like, yeah. So when th- when they started describing it, and this for me, this kind of hit home when they were doing the uh, when they were like teeing up how how it's going to be priced, and then they, they did like what I think was like it's not unfair, but I thought it was just like a really silly way to frame it. They were like, hey, so you know what? A, a good Wi-Fi speaker probably costs between like three and five hundred dollars. And then a uh, smart speaker, well, they're, they're usually like two to 300. So you think this would cost $700 or however um, Schiller framed it. And they're like, well, ours is just 349 Well, no, like any good Wi-Fi speaker is also a smart speaker. And uh, like you can, even if, if you wanted good audio quality on a smart speaker, you can, you can get an Echo Dot and pair it to any competent speaker and you, you get the same thing. I understand that's not as elegant, but like, I just think that's such a weird way to phrase it. Especially when what you've introduced is not a terribly smart speaker, because you've you've talked about it so much like it's an afterthought, and everything you'd announced up until that point about any improvements to Siri, or like I'm sure engineering wise, making the the speech sound more natural and that kind of stuff, very challenging and a, and a worthwhile improvement, but like it doesn't like they would if they had made big improvements in the level of accuracy or depth of knowledge or like contextual awareness, like all that stuff about Siri, if they'd made big improvements to that, like they would have really, really sold that. And I assume they're not terribly confident in Siri, which is why almost every example of like the smarts about HomePod were related to um, like music queries for Apple music and very rudimentary smart home stuff. So I don't know. And then going back to your thing, um, it's like, yeah, there was there was this chart during the original iPhone announcement where like he was like, oh, here's everything else, and then here's our thing, and on like in like this weird like business chart of like uh, smart and easy to use, and like it just, I don't know, the, the whole framing of this product seems really weird. Where I just I'm not sure Apple is the company to make like just a standalone speaker at this point in time. It just seems kind of beneath them. And at that point, maybe if Siri wasn't ready yet, maybe hold off on this product. Yeah, I it's not a, not a product that I'm super excited about. Also, don't really love the way it looks. The name's grown on me, but the design has not. What what is what does a Sonos Play Three or Sonos Play Five look like? Um, a lot more like the Bose SoundLink. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, what, what is this? Um, so the Sonos Two looks pretty similar to this. Okay. I mean, I don't think it looks hideous. I think it looks pretty innocuous. And that is one of the things about the Echo, where it has a distinctive look, but it doesn't, like, grab your attention all the time. And I do like that. Like, I, I don't know. I don't hate it. I think it can kind of fade away into, like, a home's decor. Yeah, I, I, I guess. 
but yeah, I mean, it's not out until December, so not really a ton to say. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a product I'm super excited about, I guess. Yeah. All right, I think we we did it. We did it in um, about an hour hour less time than uh, than it took Apple. Maybe a little less detail, but not bad. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we'll we'll wrap up wrap up the show with a uh, Better Call Saul recap and then uh, picks of the week. Let's do it. So overall, I think good episode of Better Call Saul. One one of those episodes that I think one of the things they tend to do sometimes is they kind of re- just focus solely on one character, which which can be good. But I I really enjoy the the ones where we kind of get a little bit of everybody, and this was very much that where. Everybody was involved here. Everybody's stories got moved along in a in a meaningful way. Um, I thought the the stuff with um, Hector and Nacho was really really good. Was super tense as you were watching it. Um, which which this this show and and you know Breaking Bad previously did, did a really really good job of building tension. So that that stuff was really good. Um, Chuck kind of coming around on his disease finally was was interesting. You know, Jimmy becoming slowly more and more desperate and more and more kind of Saul Goodman esque is interesting. You know, we again got the idea of why he is sort of the way that he is with um, his dad being kind of the complete opposite, where he was a total pushover. The, and the and the influence that's had on him was, was interesting. Um, overall, I think one one of the better episodes this season. Yeah, no, and and that was a really good way to frame it. I didn't actually think of that, but no, pretty much everybody got some plot development. Like um, some of the stuff with Kim was actually super interesting. Mm-hmm. Of kind of her relationship with um, Howard. I was Howard. Um, and like the two, the student loan thing was very, very good. Kind of putting him on the spot during client meeting while she he's doing damage control for. Uh, you can you can debate whether or not it was warranted, but kind of the the damage she inflicted with the whole um, Chuck lawsuit thing, or in front of the bar association, um, like that was great. And yeah, the the, the Nacho uh, Hector um, pill swap uh, scene was like six minutes, like just edge of your seat like just because you 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 probably knew what the outcome was going to be just because you know how um Hector's situation is in breaking bad but you just kind of weren't sure if this is when it's actually going to happen and you like just you immediately thought like this this part this character has like just so much to lose and, the, and vince gilligan is just a master of um of suspense so no it, it, it was it was fantastic um and just the scene before that of him practicing for like two minutes straight of just exactly how he thought the pill drop was going to go perfect um and then um yeah the the what's uh mike going to gus at the very end trying to find a way to get some money uh that he's collected through all these jobs and and through other things uh to become more spendable to him and kind of seeing more of gus's character where he's saying uh whatever arrangement he does he's not going to take money away from Mike's family was a very, very interesting thing and and an interesting part of his, um, like the moral ground that he sets. Well, if you remember that, that that's a key, that's a key thing with Mike in Breaking Bad 
is ensuring that the money ends up going to his granddaughter like that. Mm -hmm. That's something that he's focused on, you know, right up until he ends up getting killed in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of neat neat to see that get set up. Yeah. But also, I mean, that Mike was willing to take a cut on it. Right. But that but that Gus himself was not. Yeah. 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 So that was good. Um, Gus yeah, is a, was, Gus is a really cool character, and I, I just saw um, saw someone I follow on Twitter post that um, the actor who plays Gus, who I can't think of at the moment, his name, but um, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, he was on um, Fresh Air this week, so I've been wanting have to. You, you've just named my two favorite things in the world. <laughs> yeah. So I've been wanting All to right. wanting to give that a listen. Nice. He does not look fifty nine. All right. Um, yeah. That, that, so yeah, really good episode all around. I, and there's two more left. Man, is that it? That's, that, I sounds, think this was episode eight. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very good. Very, 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 very excited to see how this goes. I'm I like. I'm very on the fence about how. Um, how Jimmy is going? Like, I mean, because like, because you know where it eventually goes. You kind of always hope that um, his character like goes like I, I, in the back of my mind. I guess I'm always thinking, oh, I, I hope he actually turns it around. But you know, he obviously isn't going to. But I guess the start of his like spiral into where he ends up, it's it's a little bit slapstick or um, unrefined, which is interesting to watch. But also not like you're you're not necessarily rooting for the guy, right? Like faking injuries and in, in a music shop is is i don't know it's it's not an enviable well and that's that's what they brilliantly did with walter white in breaking bad like he was always a character that you enjoyed but you didn't outright root for them all the time yeah yeah a very a very gray character yeah um and, and specifically with this one like it just when you see him get and i know we're bouncing all over the place but when you see him get paid for his little um like big speech and stunt for that drug dealer for to get like the seven hundred dollars. Um, like just seeing him get the money and his reaction to it, and just thinking like this this will be my life, was was very. It's very interesting. It's it's a really really good show. Yeah. All right. Uh, wrap this thing up with picks of the week. Yep. All right. So mine kind of a sappy one, but. Um... I'm just I'm going with with WWDC and kind of the events that take place around WWDC. You know, we we were down there the last couple of nights. We mentioned the Relay FM meetup and then the talk show live. Um, it's really it's really cool you know, meeting these people that we really admire and enjoy following. It's really cool meeting them in person. It's really cool just being around a bunch of other people with the same interest. Um, it's something that I look forward to each year and and this year this year in particular was was a lot of fun yeah and it it is very good that like a whole industry has like even if you don't have a ticket there's something that you can do and it's in that's that's always great exactly exactly yeah Yeah, and in like the talk show now is like an institution like it seems like you can never stop doing that yeah i know (laughs) it's gonna suck to be him but yeah that's (laughs) probably he's probably got a pretty good gig going right there yeah it was um it was that was great all right and then let me send you a link to mine so there's several of these but um 
And when when we do this recommendation, I think you're going to have to edit in the music that accompanies these videos. And I'm not sure if you can listen to it now or if you have to do it afterward. But so there's a website called Tastemade that does uh, this web video series called Tiny Kitchen. And it has like the most hypnotic and pleasing music in the world. And it's somebody who has just built a tiny, tiny functioning kitchen where their oven is just a tea light candle. And they make tiny versions of food. It's been going for like three seasons, and there's like 35 different recipes. But a couple of my favorites are um, tiny fried chicken and waffles. Uh, the BLT one is very, very good. The ramen one is good. Um, there's also one about um, making tiny donuts, which is great. I think I've watched about 20 of these, and I spent an hour and a half of my life watching these. <laughs> and it the music is what makes it, so I would strongly recommend that people at least watch the BLT and the the fried chicken and waffles one. But it's just the level of commitment and dedication to this is just so good. Like who would think to make a tiny dime-sized griddle to cook um a waffle off a tea light? Like it it, <laughs> it makes me so happy. Pretty 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 good. Oh man. I'm not going to stay up all night watching these again. 